0: and we praise you. Your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Happy Daylight Savings Time. Happy, happy. Thrilled to be with you this morning. I'm grateful this morning. Who's feeling just thankful this morning? Anybody? Just grateful for God's generosity, for great friends, for winter, almost spring, Yes, it's been, for Californians, if it gets in the 50s, it is unbearably cold. How do we survive this? I am super grateful to be here this morning. We are starting a new series, Building a Life Worth Living, and today's focus is setting a miracle in motion. Not necessarily a violation of physics, but maybe setting a miracle in motion, how do we actually experience this? And personally, when it comes to God doing a work in my life or my work, I can easily fall into scarcity thinking like this. Uh, I'll never find a worship leader with a gifted voice and, most importantly, great character. They're not out there. They don't exist. Anybody? Amen, brother. Yeah! Praise Jesus! I'll never find a youth pastor who has leadership gifts, communication gifts, and most importantly, has a heart after God. They don't exist. Yes, he does. I'll, how about you in this kind of thinking? I'll never get healthy. It's not possible. My DNA says I will be unhealthy the rest of my life. Anyone think like that? Hey, here's the good news. I think all the Girl Scout cookies in this region have finally been distributed. God right this kind of thinking we'll never get we'll never make enough money we'll never be able we'll never get a job i'll never get promoted it's scarcity thinking it's you know what i'll, I'll never be able to get over this hump i'm stuck it's scarcity thinking and what i want to show you this morning is how you personally can experience setting a miracle in motion, not just for you personally, but for your family, your extended family. And here's what I believe. You might just be a phone call away, a phone call of, hey, will you forgive me? A phone call of, hey, can we have lunch? You might be a lunch conversation away from really moving the ball forward in your life. And so this morning, I want to show you an example, I think, in our region of someone who had scarcity thinking and yet trusted in his father, his dad, who practiced abundance thinking and it resulted in a restaurant chain that you're very familiar with. But I want you to hear this story
1: and see its application in your own family. I learned about generosity. So I was in Japan and my dad was a pastor, a very poor pastor. And uh, I wanted to come to the United States, so I did a newspaper route, saved up money, and ended up paying for my parents and my brother and sister to move over here. As soon as we got here, we found a church. We needed a Japanese-speaking pastor. That was a miracle. So we got a green card right away. The only problem was only three speak, Japanese-speaking congregation, So they only paid him $450,000 a month. But meanwhile, my dad had a dream. And God, he's, he shared with us one day, God gave me a vision that we're opening a restaurant together. And the only problem was, I didn't speak English. I was only 17. My dad neither. And we didn't know how to run the business. We had no business concept, business plan. And to find out, he's the worst chef you ever meet in your life. Is that awesome? <laughs> and he didn't know how to run the business. And then we didn't know how to do the bookkeeping. So within six months, we lost all our money, bank cut us off, everything was COD cash-on delivery. And finally, when I was 19 to 21, we had the hardest time. I was like 30 pound lighter. We, I had an ulcer. I was stressed out every day because we couldn't buy any fish for a while. We're the only sushi bar in the whole world, no fish. <laughs> and people laugh about it. It was a very frustrating time for me. And he said two things, do your best and go do the rest okay I'm gonna blame upstairs I'm gonna do my best and meanwhile my dad said I'm raising my tithing again I said dad how much is it he was getting four hundred fifty dollars a month now he's giving more than five hundred dollars I said dad that's not ten percent that's more than hundred (laughs) percent but my dad said I'm gonna deal with God have faith and he will do something amazing. Just keep digging deeper. Deeper the foundation. God build something amazing upon. I say, okay. I see his you know, living faith. I was moved by it. I say, okay, I'm with you. Let's do it. So after that, next door starts closing. So we start expanding. And we start having 1,000 customers. And now we use 52 tons of seafood every month. And we have 800 Mikuni teammates, God did amazing thing, more than we could ever imagine. So I now I see his faith, I'm going to follow him, I'm going to give as much as I can. I'm going to make a deal with God so he can bless even more. Isn't that awesome? Okay. So you're familiar with the Makuni
0: restaurants? Yeah, to mine, amen, on sushi... To my knowledge, they're like 10-plus restaurants now. You heard it at that time, 830 employees, all because, really, of this dad who had a vision and the faith to dig deeper. And this morning, I want to talk to you about abundance thinking versus scarcity thinking. And I get the scarcity thinking. I'll share a little bit with you. But the abundance thinking will really transform, I think, potentially your view on life's challenges are you ready to look at this okay let's let's peek at this question do we have enough to set a miracle in motion a miracle in motion personally professionally as it relates to our marriage as it relates to our family as it relates to our place of employment as it relates perhaps to our relationships with our neighbors or maybe some vision god's given you something that is packaged uniquely in you, We're going to be looking at one of the most well-known passages in Scripture, the miracle passage that is referenced the most frequently, and the passage where Jesus reveals to his disciples who, what his true identity is. When I get to the red, if you would read with me, it'd be really fun, especially at 8 in the morning. Here we go. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. Does Jesus still test us today? What are you going to do about this problem? How are you going to handle this? Jesus already has an agenda on what he's going to do and how he's going to solve it. But he does test us. Scripture teaches us that. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Scarcity thinking, right? Let's just say, let's imagine a a salary, a full-time salary of $28,000 or I think $32,000 is the minimum in the state of California. That's what? $16,000 to pay for enough bread for everyone to have a bite. (laughs) A bite. Keep that in mind. Scarcity thinking, a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Andrew's the guy that's Well known for always introducing people to one another, spoke up and he said, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far can they go among so many? I have in my mind, this young boy was confident. He was confident. He had his incredible Hulk metal old school lunchbox with a with a little thermal, with a little thermostat, a little thermal. He was prepared. But here's the deal. He really revealed himself here. It was, it was a little humiliating. He, he shared his barley loaves. Barley loaves were the loaves of the poor. It's like Wonder Bread. Not everyone was really excited about the bread. This wasn't Olive Garden bread. This wasn't Italian French roast bread. This was Wonder Bread. Not real exciting, right? Anybody buying Wonder Bread anymore? okay nothing wrong a little humility we got one yeah all right so he's he's being vulnerable he's like i got i got the i got the incredible hulk and i've got wonder bread and when when people heard that they're like oh okay it's gonna be it's not only gonna be uh very sparse it's gonna be poor bread jesus said have the people sit down have the people sit down There was plenty of grass in that place. Interesting, God even provided comfort. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now, in first century literature, often the men were counted without uh, referencing the wives, the singles, and the children. Jesus then took the loaves and he gave thanks. A great precedent for us to always do what? Give thanks for what he's providing. God's never going to say, stop thanking me, you're you're hurting my ears. You're not going to hear that from him. And he distributed and and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Remember, Philip's thinking was scarcity thinking, half a year's salary may give us a bite. Jesus' thinking is, you get to have as much as you want. Where do you fall as a disciple? So here's the history-changing question. Was this miracle shocking because of how much Jesus made or who he used? What makes this shocking? How much? So These are a few he made to to feed so many or who he used. So these are a few four life lessons, rather three, from a boy with two barley loaves. What do we learn? Firstly, this. God has prepared you to be his partner. God has prepared you to be his partner. He already had in mind what he was going to do. Here's a boy, Philip said. Here's a boy. Here's the key. When this boy that lunch, he had no idea how big the plans of God were for his life. In the same way, what you consider nothing, God may consider something that can change everything. The lie in our mind is this idea that God can't use me. It's a lie. God can't use me. The truth is, God already has given me the resources I need. He's given me the resources I need. It's amazing how God can be so generous with us and catch us off guard. One of our brothers this morning gave me permission to share the story. He, he, He's one of our valued volunteers at Adventure who puts in a lot of time to help us. And he came to me and he said, hey, i I've, I've just kind of at the end. I've got, I've got some plumbing that's down. I have some dental work that needs to be done. He went on and on. I'm like, this is rough. I'm just like, oh. And uh, you know what? Through Adventurers, God provided immediately what he needed at no cost. That, that to me is abundance thinking. And we have to remember that we, we as heirs of Jesus Christ, as begotten children of God, we have access to incredible warehouses of generosity. We are called to realize that God is partnering with us. He wants to be generous with us, abundance thinking, not scarcity thinking. God already has given me the resources I need for how He wants to partner with me. This passage, I've never really seen this passage clearly till this last week. Read it with me. Now may the God of peace equip you with every good for doing His will, that He may work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our God of peace equips us with everything good for doing His will. You're equipped by the Holy Spirit. His generosity will give you what you need in this season, at this play in this playbook that you're in to do what you need to do. We just have to look around and see what it is. Here's what we believe. What I make available, God multiplies. What I make available, He multiplies. My willingness, our willingness to make something available, He multiplies. This could be talent. This could be time. This could be treasure. He will multiply it. Firstly, God wants to partner with us. Secondly, God will stretch whatever we surrender he'll stretch it. Five small boar- barley loaves and two small fish. Five small barley loaves and two small fish. One ancient story that I think really captures what Jesus here is exemplifying is about this, this widow who lost her husband, described in the scriptures as a God-fearing man. She went to Elisha, Elisha, the kind of the Billy Graham. Are coming to take my two sons, and I have nothing. If I had something to pay them with, I would, I would get to keep them. I have nothing. Please help me. She said, I have nothing. Scarcity thinking. I'm not trying to be too critical of her. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, What do you have in your house? He asked her. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. How many of you have heard the story? Okay, just a few. So she says, I have nothing. Elisha says, wait a second. What do you have in your house? A small jar of olive oil. So Elisha says, so she went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So let me tell you the backstory of what happens. Elisha tells her, Go take the olive oil you have and go into all your neighborhood and ask your neighbors for empty jars that evidently were of no value or or could be available. And they went to all their neighbors and asked for empty jars. They brought them to her house and she started filling all those empty jars with a, an abundance of olive oil. It was a miracle that God provided through what she had. And then Elisha tells her, go sell the oil, pay for your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Here's, here's kind of the bottom line. What we think is nothing, God thinks is something and can turn it into an abundance of everything. It's just a general principle. When we surrender to Jesus something we thought was nothing, it can change everything. And I actually believe that surrendering God something, it can be as much as humbling yourself and making a phone call that's, that the Spirit's prompting you to make. It can be as, as simple as humbling yourself and accepting an invitation to that party or that lunch or that reunion that you don't even want to go to. How come? Because the Holy Spirit works through people. Anybody get an invite they don't want to accept right now? Right? It's, it's very simple. But what we think is often nothing. God thinks is something that can change everything. So be aware of scarcity thinking. Have abundant thinking. She thought she had nothing. Elisha said, what do you have? Oh, just a jar of a little oil. That was something that could become everything. Here's the key. God doesn't need our barley loaves, and yet surrendering what is in our hands is clearly connected to setting a miracle in motion. He surrendered what he had, even out of his Hulk lunch bag, and it set a miracle in motion. Here's the lie. God doesn't want what I have to give. He does. He does want what you have to give. What he wants above everything is your heart and your personal submission to Jesus Christ in obedience. That is what he wants superlatively. <laughs> but there may be other commodities you have that he wants to work through, like he did the faith of the Makuni family. Here's the, lot, here's the truth. What I make available, God multiplies. What I make available, God multiplies. Now, one passage that's been on my mind as we at Adventure Here have been growing And we've been adding new staff at Adventure. Very exciting. In fact, uh, I'll tell you, if you're visiting today, we in the last uh, 10 months have had the privilege of promoting a children's director. We've had the privilege of hiring an assistant to her, Emily Lazzini, love her last name because it's Italian and I love Italian food. Uh, We got to hire Zach Fox, who graduated from Hope University, uh, Hope International University, great just huge huge uh hire for us we got and we'll show you something they did last weekend that was epic and we recently got to hire brian jokes who got married two weekends ago we're just thrilled we'll have andrea here next service i hope and uh just so proud of him honestly not his voice it's his character we just are thrilled for but here's the deal, we, we've, gone, we've gone forward with these hires, these are under budget, we've been 10% under budget in spending so far this year, but now we're bringing on college graduates and I don't know about you, but if my kids were going to a work for a church, I would want them to take care of my kids. In fact, I have one kid that's at, that is working for a church and I want them to take care of them, right? Right? So... What I'm, what I'm wanting to do is challenge you to start thinking about uh, letting God multiply the something that you have that you might think is nothing, all right? So that's where we're headed today. So here's the verse that's been on my mind, because I think even Californians especially, we could have scarcity thinking easily, okay? And here's what Paul writes. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth. Is everyone with me? Okay, I know it's early. I know it's not even 9 o'clock yet. Which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God's not a killjoy at all. I love that about him. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Isn't that awesome? That what we make, what we surrender to God, that we might think is well, that we will be rewarded for it in heaven. Now, I just look forward to being in heaven. But to be honest with you, I'd like at least a decent duplex. He, you know, I don't want to be coveting my neighbor because he got a big old, you know, beach house. So so that means I want to be generous in this life so that he can use me and so that I have true life. My hope is not in wealth, but it's in the God who provides me everything that I can enjoy. So what we have done, and if you came, when you came in this morning, you should have received this envelope. If you did, take it out. And if you didn't, on your way out, grab one. But on this envelope, we have a adventurers. There are six qualities that really describe our DNA here. We did a retreat two and a half years ago, and we explored what are the six qualities that makes an adventurer an adventurer. And here's what they are. They pray constantly, they give generously, they love unconditionally, they follow willingly, they share regularly, and they serve passionately. That's, that's why we're here today. We are here today because Adventurers have been practicing those participles for a long time, actually actually, those adverbs, for a long time. It, that's why we're enjoying the good life here at Adventure. And one of those marks that I simply want to bring to you is adventurers have always given generously. You would be amazed at the kind of generosity that's here. And I know that because I see the bottom end. I see see how the indent of the impact it makes. And so I want to challenge you to prayerfully consider making something that you might think is nothing available to Jesus to multiply here and help me love our staff. Here's my deal. I want to be able to love our staff. When they're, it's time for raises, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to treasure their, their marriage and family life. Sometimes that takes resources. Your generosity will help us be able to do that long-term. Don't you want to take care of people? Yeah. Seriously. I mean, don't you, don't, didn't you want to be taken care of when you were working? Yeah. Right. So what I want you to prayerfully consider is if you'll turn the envelope over on the back, I provide you several line items on a way for you to start giving generously. And I would ask you to, uh, you can make, use a check, you can pay cash. I would ask you to perhaps get online and make your giving systematic, make it regular. And some of you might be thinking, hey, I don't have anything to give. What, what, kind of, what kind of thinking is that? Scarcity thinking scarcity thinking, have a garage sale here real soon. Get rid of everything. You'll have stuff to give, and here's the deal. People will show up to buy your junk. You get get systematic in your giving. You can even text give to the amount to this number, and what I think you're going to discover is that God has been so generous with you, he's going to multiply what you give in a variety of ways. Would you pray about this? Would you be willing to pray about this? Cool. So here's, here's what I, I learned from Jesus. Jesus took the, the, the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He gave thanks, he prayed. And what I'd like to do right now is uh, challenge you to take this, look it over, and pray about it with me. I'm going to lead in a prayer, but then I'm going to show you what our students did last weekend that was an incredible gift from God up in the uh, Tahoe area. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we just believe that everything we have is from you. Your generosity by providing employment, by providing us family, a place to live, uh, neighbors, safety, it's all from your hand. Help us have abundance thinking and show us what we think is nothing can actually become something that can help us love our staff and love our church. Jesus, what is the something that you've given me that if surrendered will set into motion a miracle? In Jesus' name, amen. As you prayerfully consider this, I just want you to see what happened last weekend when God opened the skies for a moment and gave our students a chance to go up to the I mountains. You you gave you for- I'm super proud, aren't you? I'm so grateful. The way the students and the adults worked together on Friday a couple weeks ago, praying, asking for direction, listening, and you remember how much snow got dumped. They just got a window, and they seized it, and it was safe. And four or five feet of snow. Does that sound fun or what? Well, that's the kind of that's how God is multiplying what our student ministry is doing. And so that's why we're praying about doing something more for them and for our children's ministry. So, point number three is God will do the hard work if you do the humble work. He asks us simply to humble ourselves and serve. Jesus said, uh, The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Service is what we do, uh, we are servants. And so Jesus said, have the people sit down. Jesus then took the loaves, he gave thanks, and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Jesus said this also. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never grow thirsty. I told you earlier that in this passage, Jesus reveals himself. And here's the deal. He reveals himself as the source, as the mediator between God and man. The the Apostle Paul, Jesus' most prolific evangelist of the first century, the Billy Graham of the first century, said it this way. God has identified one person as mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the focus of our relationship with God. He is the one for us to know. Maybe you've never made a decision to fully trust in Jesus. Maybe you make it today. You become a Christian, a Christian, a Christ follower. That's what it means. The key here is Jesus does the heavy lifting of multiplication. It's our job to invite others to sit, to pass along the blessing, to clean up the mess afterwards. This morning I was thinking about many of the volunteers at Adventure who serve passionately. You can check. That's one of our marks. We have adventurers here that work 40, 50, 60 hour work jobs, and just want to pause and say, thank you 10, 15, 20 hours a week. No kidding. And I just want to pause and say, thank you. You're amazing. You're amazing. Give God all the credit for giving them the energy to do what they do. Now, right now, we're also in a season of praying for our neighbors. How many of you remember our Bless series in January? Okay. More of you, just raise your hands and lie to me. Okay. Bless. (laughs) Begin each day with prayer. Listen Listen to your neighbors. Eat together. Serve your neighbors. Share your hope story. We hope that in the last two months, you've been ble- praying for your neighbors. Remember that series? How do we become a neighbor to the people that live closest to us? And I hope you've accepted that challenge and are, sp- are prayerfully trying to love your neighbors because Easter is coming in just a few weeks, and we're very excited about it. Lord willing, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of Krispy Kreme donuts here. We're going to have, Lord willing, um, some... Uh, a a photo booth we're going to have some fun moments for families but most importantly we're going to share that jesus is our hope that hope is real and uh, we're going to have a lot of baptisms on that sunday it's going to be an exciting sunday with three services and we've provided you invitations inside of your programs take these and stick them in your pocket Put them in your pocket now because you won't remember them later. Just grab them. Put them in your pocket because you're going to get a chance to invite someone that the Holy Spirit's saying, hey, this person's ready. You invite them. You do the humble work. You do the humble work of inviting others, of passing out to others, and you will watch what Jesus is going to do. It's going to be fun. Okay, here's the key. Jesus does the heavy lifting of multiplication. The lie is this, that the pressure's on me to change where I work, to change my family. The pressure's on me to change. No, uh, no, that's not true. As I serve, God will move and He'll do the transformation by the power of His Holy Spirit and the grace of God. He'll do it. You just got to serve and let Him do it through you by grace alone. Here's Here's a couple final thoughts. Number one, you were made for miracles. Because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Don't ever say you can't change. That's a lie. Don't ever say someone else can't change. That's a double lie. What you're really saying is you don't believe in the power of the resurrection because that same power lives in us. Might not feel like it this morning, but it does. Secondly, every life comes to a moment that requires miracle bread from God. Jesus is that miracle bread. He is that manna that was distributed by Moses. Here's where we've been. God has prepared you to be his partner. Jesus said, the work I do is the work that the Father has invited me to do. The Father is always inviting you to work. You just got to accept his invitation. Secondly, God will stretch whatever you surrender. What what I surrender, what I supply, God will multiply. Thirdly, God will do the hard work if you do the humble work. He does want us to humble ourselves in his sight, and he'll lift us up. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you, would you show us how you want to partner with us?